Okay. Um, so, uh, like I said, I, I, I hope that I've bored you to tears in that last session. Um, but I will tell you this, just from being around in the break, man, there's some people that are at a really good place right now in, in their life because uh, basically this last session I was telling their story. And so, man, let's pull it together in this room and let's, uh, let's see if the Lord can give us some victory here today. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? And so, Lord, as we uh, come into this final session for today and we uh, continue to talk about this uh, pretty major subject, Lord, I, I pray that, uh, that you will meet with us. And again, for people who, who this doesn't apply to them, Lord, give them ears to hear so they can help others because it so applies in our culture. And for those that right now are, are needing uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their life, Lord, I pray that you will meet with us in this session and do what only you can do. And we ask this for your glory's sake. Amen. Amen. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've done men's ministry for a, a lot of years. And, uh, you know, some, a lot of times what will happen is men will start opening up about, you know, their struggles a, as a man. And... Uh, so, you know, just based off of Proverbs 17.6 and Colossians 3.21 and Ephesians 6.4 about fathers not provoking what God <laughs> gave you, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. You, 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 you talk to a guy and you start listening to his struggles. And so you, you throw this little thing out. Hey, tell me about your dad. Oh... That's usually how it starts. Oh, yeah, my, my dad. Uh, and you know what inevitably they do? They'll tell you a story. Right right there. You, you didn't ask for a story? You know, there was this one time, and, uh, and, and anybody that has grown up in a home where you've got broken father power, it's all wrapped around stories that are just... Yeah, you can't forget them because they broke your heart, you know. Uh, so I'm the youngest of four kids, and uh, I've got an older brother. Uh, there was four of us, and he was the second, and he's about five years older than me. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, he just loved me, man. Uh, you know, I, I guess the five-year difference and all of that. Uh, he would never let nobody mess with me, including my sisters. <laughs> um, and it was the sweetest thing ever. I, I never can remember having an argument with my brother. That's rare, you know. Uh, and, uh, boy, my dad started spinning out when I was about in fourth grade. He was 
coming home half loot every day and boy, it was tripping my mama out. And uh, every day, about three o'clock in the afternoon, he ain't gonna be home till seven, y'all. Every day at three, man. I mean, this is gonna go on for hours and she's crying and she's asking me to take alcohol and rubber neck and I should be out playing, but my brothers and sisters, they are fit to be tied with all of her, whatever she's going through. And uh, so kind of fell my lot to stay in there and make sure she didn't commit suicide or have a nervous breakdown. Uh, I mean, it was that intense on a daily basis. And uh, so then my brother started selling drugs. And uh, in ninth grade, mind you, and, and I'm an old codger. <laughs> Parents didn't expect their kids to be doing that for real. You know, we, we had a dysfunctional family. Uh, but one thing we did is we always ate dinner together, you know. And, uh, and so th at this time where my brother's selling the, the drugs, every night when we're eating, cars are lining up outside. And he's going out, you know, saying hey to his friends through the window, and they're making a little transition and all that. My parents are on the inside going, that's the most popular guy I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> And I'm going, as a fourth grader, oh, yeah, if you only knew. And uh, so uh, w one night, uh, right at that time, he was in ninth grade, and, uh, and he, he uh, we, long story short, he broke into a house with some of his friends to steal cigarettes. And... Uh, so the guy was in, the, the man of the house was there waiting on him because they had broke in before. And uh, so I come home, you know, bip bop in the house, and I see my mom and dad on the, you know, screened in back porch, and they're looking out. I'm like, what, what, what's going on? And they said, uh, yeah, we, they got Mr. Hayes in the back of a cop car over there. So I look out, and I'm going, oh. That ain't Mr. Hayes. That's my brother. I, I, I didn't tell them, because I know all hell is about to break loose, man. And I'm, I'm scared to death, y'all. I'm, I'm a wimp. Uh, I, 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 wanted, I, I wanted to hide. I didn't know where to go, man. I went to the shower. I really did. I, I, I got to get out of here. I don't know where to go. I, it's too late for me to go anywhere else. And so I get in the shower, and I can see, you know, the, at our shower, I could see out and just see what was going on. And so I see my, I hear the phone ring, and I'm knowing, okay, they're telling them it's their son. So I see my dad walking down the street. I know that walk. <laughs> and he's doing that walk. And, you know, so he was down there for quite a while. I could only stay in the shower so long. <laughs> and <laughs> so by the time I got out, you know, oh, they got in the house and he beat the devil out of my brother, man. 
And I love my brother so much. It didn't bother me much, <laughs> as you can see. Uh, and, uh, you know, we go on through this whole deal with my mom every afternoon. And uh, I was about eighth grade by this point. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I was a lost kid, you know. Uh, I was the prayingest lost kid you ever saw in your life. I prayed every day that my parents wouldn't get divorced. And uh, I knew something was crazy. I just didn't know what it was. And so my parents were, were asleep. I was staying up to watch Johnny Carson. I always used to stay up late to watch the, his monologue. And uh, so all the lights are off. Phone rings, and if the phone r rang after my dad went to bed, okay, well, that was like the end of the earth, you know? <laughs> and so the phone rings. I'm sitting in the chair. The phone is right there where those cookies are. And uh, so the phone rings. It's about, you know, quarter to 12. And so I, I grab it like this so it doesn't wake him up. And he doesn't know I picked up. He picks up in the other room. And there's a woman on the other end. Are you coming or not? Uh -oh. And I'm, and he, yeah, yeah, okay, well, I'll, I'll be there in a few minutes. And, and I hear him telling my mom, yeah, they've had a break in at one of the stores, so I'm going to have to go out and deal with that. And I figured it out, man. My dad wasn't drinking in the afternoons alone. And my mama knew it. I, you, know, you know, women, you know what I'm talking about? That whatever y'all, however you know stuff. <laughs> and uh, man, I'm telling you, Father Power, I'm just giving you some high points, but Father Power is getting jacked up in this old boy. And uh, so I, I guess I w wanted to tell you a little bit about all of this stuff that uh, I am a fellow struggler uh, in all of this. And a lot of what I know was born out of necessity of just having to figure this all out and uh, but it it is a it, it is a very real thing as we've I, I think seen Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 and Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21 God just keeps telling dads boy you got something special but don't break it. Don't break it. But again, some of us have come out of a home like that. Uh, some of us married somebody that was coming out of a home like that. And so we're all probably in some kind of way dealing with 
some of the, these issues, and, and some of you are probably wondering why your spouse can go off at the drop of a hat and be in a fit of rage over something you did or something you said. Or you wonder why it is that your spouse recluses or has bouts of depression. Um, That word isn't in our King James Bible. I think think God's analysis of it is just discouraged. And, and, And... some of you know that I'm not describing your spouse right now. I'm describing you. And I, I, the reason I wanted to start this session with some of those stories is so that you know that I am not in any way trying to condemn you. I, you know, this is one of those rare occasions. I'm not even trying to allow the Holy Spirit to use me to convict you. Because you have, man, you've been through a lot, man. And, and I don't think you need either, either side of, of those, man. I, I want you to know, man, my heart goes out to you today. And so, again, don't, don't you know, feel like you've got to get your defenses up, man. I would say get your defenses down because I'm one of you, man. And let's try to figure this out in this, this session. But what I want more than anything is for us to recognize why it is that we are the way that we are and why we do what we do and, and just actu- actually be able to come to a place to where we can admit why it happens. Because, listen, if you can't, I want you to know, you can choose your friends. You can't choose your parents. <laughs> okay? You, that, you just got those. And so this is, your, this, this is your story in the same way that I'm telling you mine. But I want you to know that there is a solution. And the solution isn't, you know, thousands of dollars to a counselor and years of counseling. The solution, like all of God's biblical solutions, is actually very simple. And notice that I didn't say easy. And again, I probably don't need to spend a bunch of time explaining the difference between simple and easy, right? <laughs> simple is it's, it's, it's not rocket surgery. But I will say this, the simple solution to it is going to be for some of us probably the hardest thing that we've ever done in, in our lives but what I, uh, the, the solution that I'm going to be sharing with you here in just a second isn't, it isn't complex. It isn't, you know, some convoluted thing that has a zillion moving parts. But though it's simple, again, it, it, it's going to take everything that the Spirit of God is able to do in you to be able to do it. And to tell you what that is, yeah, back, back off on that there if you would. Uh, 
This is a, this is a true story. Uh, Bruce Wilkinson, some of you may know that story, is a walk through the Bible guy. Uh, and, you know, pretty well known. Uh, he, he wrote, you know, several pretty popular Christian books uh, years ago, 20 years or so ago. So he, he's at Dallas Theological Seminary, and he's got all of these guys that are uh, preparing for the ministry. And so he was talking with the graduates in, in the seminary, and it was a big question and answer time. And so uh, in the midst of the question and answer, one of the guys says to, uh, to him, he says, Dr. Wilkinson, uh, if, if you could just tell those of us that are going in the ministry one thing, and not, not you know all the 10 things that are priorities for the ministry, but if you were just going to tell us one thing that would help us more than anything else, what would you tell us? And he said, forgive your father. And, you know, had we not had all of what we've had this afternoon, uh, right now, we would, you know, if I would have just told that story at the beginning, most of us would probably go, say what? Why, why in the world would somebody say something like that? Because it was an old geezer that had dealt with a lot of folks through the years and found out that there is one common denominator that gets us all jacked up and gives us a, a bunch of baggage that we carry with us through life. And what I'm saying to you, uh, to overcome the greatest obstacle in your marriage is actually as simple as forgiving your father. And if there is one, one decision that I would challenge you to make in this weekend or however we're posing this, a, a decision that, that I know that has the power not only to change your life, but to change your marriage, to change the upbringing of your children and your grandchildren. It would be to make the calculated, willful, decision to forgive your father. And man, in Jesus' name today, I, I beg you right now to open your heart and allow the Lord to perform that miracle in you. And I beg you to do that for five specific reasons. First of all, do it for the Lord's sake. Do it for the Lord's sake. Because, listen, y'all, I, I think most of the people in this room, if not all, claim to know Christ as your Savior. 
And, and so when I say do it for the Lord's sake, I, I'm saying that because He demonstrated forgiveness to you. And now He has commanded it of you. The forgiveness that he offered is now the forgiveness that we have been commanded to offer. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32 says, Let let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And it's here that typically we all want to say, yeah, but you don't know what he did to me. And uh, again, my little petty stories that I told some of y'all could tell stories that would send us all into a heap, okay? Mine, I I get it, y'all. Mine ain't nothing. But typically, when we get confronted with having to forgive someone who has hurt us or wronged us, we want to say, well, you don't know what they did. And again, I don't know what your story is, and I can assure you that if you were to tell me your story, in the same way that I broke down telling mine, I would break down listening to yours. And I'm not kidding about that, man. If there's anything that breaks me in two, man, I mean, when I see this on TV or whatever, man, I, I do this. Just because I know the the crazy impact this is gonna have, and so you know, while we're wanting to say you don't know what he did to me, again, can I lovingly and graciously say to you that you don't know what you did to God, and He forgave you. You don't know. You, you don't know how he hurt me, and he forgave. He forgave you when you hurt him. Well, he's not worthy of my forgiveness. He doesn't deserve it. Okay, is there any one of us that thinks that we were worthy of his forgiveness, or that? That we deserved it, and again, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be up in your stuff. I'm not trying to be an idiot to you right now. I'm trying to appeal to you in the name of Jesus, that the God of the universe, because of Christ, graciously forgave us, though we we brutalized His Son through our sin. And He said, "Yeah, man, it's all forgivable." And so now he tells us, man, forgive with the same kind of forgiveness that God had toward you. Yeah, even our fathers. And I might add, especially our fathers. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, I know that every person in this room, you want to be like Christ. I, I, you wouldn't be here on a Friday and take off work and lose money and pay money to come and all of that if you didn't want to be more like Christ. But do you, you realize that you will never be more like Christ than when you're forgiving someone? So, first of all, I beg you in Jesus' name to forgive your father for the Lord's sake. Then secondly, I beg you today in Jesus' name to forgive your father for your spouse's sake. Do it for your spouse's sake. Because do you realize, oh, please listen, man, you'll never truly be able to cleave to them until you do, because cleaving, according to Genesis 2.24, necessitates what, y'all? Leaving. And until you forgive your father, you'll never truly be able to leave your father. He becomes the Hotel California. You can check out any time you want, but you can't ever leave. And until you're able to forgive him, there will always be that something that comes between you and your spouse that will keep you from being able to cleave to them. And, and I can just assure you, y'all, that and what they were signing up for on their, on your wedding day. They had no idea that we'd be bringing stuff like this into the marriage. And so I say to you, as graciously as I can, man, forgive your father for your spouse's sake. Because, fellas, listen, until you forgive him, you'll never really be able to be what God has called you to be to your wife. Because, listen, the bitterness stored in you has got to go somewhere. And the way that it shakes out is that bitterness that you're storing in you gets poured onto her. And ladies, listen, until you forgive your father, you'll never really be able to be what God's called you to be as to your husband because, again, the bitterness stored in you will continue to be poured on him. And then thirdly, I beg you in Jesus' name to forgive your father. For your children's sake. Do it for your children's sake. Because mm, you'll unwittingly cause them to be bitter against you if you're still bitter toward your old man. And this is just the way that it works. The cycle will continue 
into yet another generation. And, and when I say do it for your children's sake, again, when I, what, what, what I mean by that is do it for your children's sake and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren. God tells us in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 7 that the iniquities of the fathers are visited to the third and fourth generation, man. And I, I say to you today, man, your children and your grandchildren desperately need you to intersect that line of generational bitterness while you have this chance and I, 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 you know, I, I, again, I realize, you know, we're in the outskirts of Charlotte here in a little room, and there's a, a great crowd of us here, but man, I don't want to make more of this time than, than it is. But I do want to say to you, y'all, if we miss this chance, and this continues in our family gener generationally. The way that truth sits forsaken in our time, and the Bible says it's only going to get worse and worse, do you realize that if you don't intersect that line of generational bitterness, you're going to pass it on to your kids. And let me just ask you, in 30 or 40 years, do you think your kids are going to be ever sitting in a room somewhere and somebody's going to be talking about Proverbs 17, 6, the glory of children or their fathers? And probably isn't going to be too many people embracing the book that's even going to come to the New Testament and tell fathers, don't break your father power. What are the chances if we miss this opportunity? What are, the, what are the chances of your kids breaking that thing generationally? And man, what a joy, if you think about it, for some of us that have had maybe a rough go in this thing, to be able to say, by God's grace, man, I want to be that one that stands in that line and intersects it for the glory of God so that my kids can be free and don't have to grow up and have somebody bark at them for a couple of hours about forgiving their father. So again, I, I don't want to make more of this time than it is, and yet I also don't want this time to bypass us and think, well, maybe someday. So do it for your children's sake. And then fourthly, I beg you in Jesus' name today to forgive your father for your sake. Do it for your sake. And I say that because, listen, bless your heart, man. You will never be free until you do. And, and I, I must say, y'all, there, there's 
Some sad things known to man, but ain't too much sadder than someone that God has graciously set free who's unable to live and breathe and move and live in that freedom. Amen. For real. I mean, it's just, ah, goodness, you got what you need, but you can't get it out. Romans chapter 8 and verse 2 says, of those of us who have trusted Christ for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. And bless some of your hearts, man. You have been made free from the law of sin and death. But you're just not free to live in the reality of it. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And again, bless some of your hearts, man. You have the ability to live in the glorious liberty of freedom. But the reality is, your father has become a yoke of bondage that finds a way to pull you down into its muck and mire just about every time spiritually you begin to break through in your life. Something happens, man. Every time things really start to, to seem like they're clicking in your marriage. Whoa. Get yanked back down into this thing. And, and, and I, I think some of you probably realize that what I'm talking about is, is a good description of you. Positionally in Christ, you're as free as a bird in fly. You're as free <laughs> as you can possibly. I didn't listen to music much. But listen, positionally, you are as free as you can possibly be. But practically speaking, man, you are all bound up. You're not free in your heart. And so you're not really free to love the Lord the way that you want to. You're not really free to love your spouse the way you want to. You're not free to love your kids the way you want to. And so I, I say to you today, man, receive the grace that God is pouring out to you right now. Receive that grace to forgive your father for your own sake. And then lastly, number five, I beg you in Jesus' name to forgive your father for the earth's sake. <laughs> okay, that sounds like I'm a tree hugger, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's not what I mean by any stretch. Okay, in, in the last two verses of the Old Testament, Malachi 
chapter four, verses five and six. Okay, and, and you know, I look at things like that. Okay, here he's going to put a bow on the whole Old Testament. What's he going to say, man? God tells us that if the situation between fathers and their children and children and their fathers doesn't get rectified, he says it's such a big deal to him that in the last days before the second coming of Christ, hello? Anybody think we might be living in those days? And I, I know specifically he's talking about the tribulation period. But something is going to have to be brewing before we get into the tribulation period, right? What, what he says is, if this whole thing between fathers and children and children and their fathers doesn't get worked out, he says, I will smite the earth with a curse. That's how big of a deal this is. And what, what he says in, in this verse is, I, I, man, I, I may have to send Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the day and to preach this during the tribulation period. And when he comes, what he would do is he turned the hearts of the fathers to their children. And boy, I got to tell you, man, we live in a time where fathers' hearts are turned to everything but their children. Amen. And father power is getting broke all over the place. But he's also going to come and to the, turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. I don't think he's necessarily talking about three and four year old little children. I think he might be talking about 62 year old children that need to turn their hearts to their fathers, not because he deserves it, not because he's earned it. But because God said, you know, one of the things that helped me with this whole deal, man, I began asking about my dad's dad. And you know what? My dad did pretty good for what he got dealt. And I found a way to turn my heart toward him. Go bless his heart. He was doing everything he knew to do. He just didn't know what he didn't know. Ain't none of us that can say that today now. And, uh, man, uh, I, 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 again, I don't, I don't know where everybody is with, with all of this, but... Uh, I think that you can see, I mean, we've been all over the Bible. <laughs> and this, this is definitely a message that God's trying to get clear to us. And we do it for his glory's sake. And you're here on this planet to bring glory to God. And it's going to be limited if you're dealing with bitterness towards your dad. And it will affect you 
you're not going to lose your salvation because we are in Christ and eternally secure. But I will tell you at the judgment seat of Christ, y'all, we won't be using our dad as an excuse. And so for maybe some of us today, maybe this can be that glorious day in our walk with Christ when by His grace we allowed Him to intersect that line that not only affects us, our spouse, our kids, but our grandkids, our great-grandkids, and our great-great-grandkids. But other than that, what we've talked about today isn't really that important. So could we do this? Could we, uh, could we just chill for just a second? Could we bow our heads and let's, let's let some of the folks in this room have a moment. If you don't need this moment, could you, my brother or sister, could you just pray for other people in the room that this is, man, this is going to be a monumental day all the way to the judgment seat of Christ for them. So, man, if you don't need this, hallelujah. But, man, please take that blessing and turn it into prayer for other people in the, in the room today. And, I, and I'll give you just a, a few minutes to just absolutely release what's been pent up inside of you and just say, oh God, you graciously forgave me of things that I had.